Glory to God. I get tired of churchy words. Words that we just say in church. Hallelujah. Why are you saying it? Because the person next to you did? Because it's in the song? That's the wrong reasons. Why you say that word? Hallelujah means praise the Lord. Why do we praise him? Because he did it. All of it. Every bit of it. There's nothing that hasn't been taken care of already. Nothing. Nothing that ain't been taken care of already. We sit in a seat of victory today because he made the victory happen and gave it to us. He won the fight. He won the war. He won the battle. The whole thing's over with. If you read the end of the book, the devil lost. It's over. It's over. The whole thing is over. We say hallelujah because he made the way. We praise God because he made a way. We're thankful because we count it as done and complete. Hallelujah. Sorry. I don't like churchy words. But I do like words that carry meaning. I think that what we say should carry meaning. I think that what we, when we say amen, why do we say amen? Because let it be what was just said. Not because that's what you say at the end of a prayer. We say amen because we want what was said to be done. And we have the authority to say it can be done. So we say amen. amen. Because he did it. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and this ain't, y'all, y'all don't try to keep up with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you'll find out that all of his promises in him are yes and in him are what? Amen. amen. Let it be done. Let it be done. He's already said it. We're just saying what he said and agreeing with him. That's why we say amen. You just don't say it at the end of a prayer. What's that all about? Your words should carry meaning. They should mean something to you. And when you begin to see the meaning in your words, when you begin to open your eyes and your mind to what you are saying and what you mean, now your faith just takes off. It's the way God created us to operate. He didn't create us to just show up on Sunday morning and Wednesdays or whatever time you have church. He didn't, he didn't want us just to come to a building and say particular phrases and act a particular way and then go home the rest of the time and do whatever we want. It's not created that way. He's looking for a people that will have a lifestyle that's reflective of heaven. Is what he's wanting. He's wanting a reflection of heaven to be on this earth. Jesus even said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth, just like it is in heaven. They, God, the, the whole of heaven wants to operate and penetrate earth. So much so that we as Christians are required to walk out a life that is, that is simply a reflection of what heaven looks like. We reflect heaven. When people see you, they've seen Jesus. When they see you, they've seen heaven. When they look at you, they're looking at what God wants for them in their lives. That's what they see when they see you. They don't see somebody goes to church. They see heaven on earth. I mean, you're nothing more than a billboard for how great heaven is. You're an advertisement for how awesome Jesus treats his people. That's what you do. You advertise for the kingdom of God to show the rest of the world how great he truly is. And what he has really done. Our words carry meaning, y'all. If you think about it, 
in the beginning, God said, didn't he? I don't know where I'm going. Y'all just hold on. Everybody hold on. Just, just bear with me. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was. He said, do this, and he said, do that, and he said, do this. So everything that he created was created by words. Everything. Everything you see, touch, feel, and experience is created and has the, the core of it is, is in a spoken word by the creator himself. So if something was created by words, don't you think it could be changed By the same thing that created it. So therefore if we're looking around this world. And we don't like what we see that's been created. Because when God created on the. What's he did. What did he do on the seventh day? What did he do? Huh? Rested on the seventh day. Guess what? We're still in the seventh day. There's still a rest. Hebrews chapter 4 says there's still a rest. Or a Sabbath that is there for the children of God. Why? Because God is still resting. That seventh day ain't over yet. He's done. He's, Jesus said, it's finished. They're resting in heaven. They're not trying to make anything happen. It's already happened. They're resting. They're in that rest. And we, as his people, enter into that rest. And so God is, hey, I said what's going to be, and that's what it's going to be. Then here comes the enemy trying to change the outcome to do what he does, which is try to twist everything that God said, to try to turn everything that God said. Next thing you know, we got covid We got cancer. We got all this mess going on in the world that's contrary to what God said it was supposed to be. So we have the opportunity, the right, and in fact the responsibility to say what God really says. And our words can change the situation just like God's words created in the beginning. Does this make sense? Take a look at Jesus. Let's go to, I don't know where we're going to go. There's one of them I got, Melissa. It's in the Gospels. Which one did I give you that was in the Gospels? Yeah, y'all, y'all bear with me. I could probably quote it, but I want to I read it right. John chapter 5, verse 18. No. Yeah, we'll do that. Then we'll do something else. Y'all like this? Man, let's give honor to God real quick before we get into this. Lift your hands. We'll come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for all your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Father, for the healing power of God that's present everywhere that we go. We thank you, Father, that the joy of the Lord, we carry your joy everywhere we go. We thank you, Father, that your peace is present when we walk in a room. Why? Because we're there. We're there with you and you are with us. And where everywhere, every step that we take, every move that we make, you are with us. We thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, we ask you to open up the eyes of our understanding. Help us to see things we've never seen before. Give us the words to say, Lord. Let this be an amplification of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Now, this is talking about Jesus. They're trying to kill Jesus. He not only broke the Sabbath. Which, uh, which version is this? Yeah, that's it, New King James, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. Okay, so people got upset because Jesus started saying, me and God, we're one and the same. They got mad. Verse 19, probably do the same to you if they got mad at him, they get mad at you. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, most surely I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Now, I want y'all to kind of dig with me here for a second. I'm going to dig in and I'm going to pull back out, okay? So just kind of you don't have to you're gonna have to 
stay, all right, we're a classroom for just a minute, about that long. I'm going to give you five minutes. I need you, okay? And it happens right here. The son, talking about himself, can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Verse 20. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Do we have 21 in there? For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. We got one more? That's it? Back up then. Yeah, back up then. No, back up with me. Y'all hang up with me. I told you how to hang with me. Back up. People online are going, what is he doing? There you go, right here. Whatever he does, Jesus said, the son can do nothing in and of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Just stay right there for a little while, okay? But get, uh, get Philippians ready. So Jesus answered them and said, look, the son can do nothing of himself. Now we're talking about Jesus, okay? Jesus was not created in Bethlehem. Jesus was made a man in Bethlehem, but he was there at the beginning. Are we all in agreement of that? So being there in the beginning, Jesus is an extension of God. So wouldn't you think that Jesus could probably do something? Don't you think he could? I mean, think about it. He's, he's the son of God. And let's just look at heaven like the way heaven is like orchestrated and built, okay? Heaven has all these things called angels that, that live there. And they go and they do stuff. The angels answer to these archangels. And then they answer to Jehovah himself. Okay? But Jesus is, the, is God, Jehovah's son. Don't you think he would, they would have to answer to him too? So, so Jesus is telling us though, he just said right here, Assure us that the son can do what? Now, how does that work? You mean to tell me, Jesus, that you were there at the beginning whenever God said, let there be light. You are the son of God. The son of God. God has a son. His name is Jesus. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. Y'all know that song? He bled and died to buy our pardon. And if the grave is there to prove my Savior lives. It is. Because he lives. <laughs> Paul's not here today, so, you know, hey. Oh, by the way, now that I have y'all's attention, I'll do it later. Never mind. So anyway, Jesus was there at the beginning. He's God's son. You would think he had some say-so somewhere and that he could do something, right? Go to Philippians now. Do it, do it Melissa, right now. Now, boom! This is Philippians chapter 2, is that right? Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Who? Being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be with God. Keep going. Be equal with God. But 
made himself of no reputation, taken on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Now go back to the scripture we were at before. So Jesus had all the glory and all the power in heaven, but Bethlehem happened. Little baby Jesus pop out. Guess what? Now he's just like you. He's just like me. He now has to operate just like we do. He got to do what we do and be in this world and be of the flesh. All right. So he did that thing. And now that's the reason why he said the son can do nothing of himself. Why? Because he took on the form of man. Just like you. Just like you. But see, man, I've always wanted to preach a message about the butts in the Bible. Um, There's a lot of them. There's a lot of butts in the Bible. Not two T's, one T. Oh. The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. Jesus only did what he saw the father do. Jesus only said what he heard the father say. Jesus only operated as God. God would operate if he were here himself. But he did it as a man, not as a deity. He did it as a man who believed that God was God and was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And in that, Jesus walked on this earth to show you and I how we're supposed to operate in this place. So what are we supposed to do? Well, I'll tell you, in and of myself, I can't do nothing. You can ask my wife. There ain't, I don't know how to do nothing. This is probably the best thing I do. I mean, this is it. I can talk. I mean, this is probably the best thing I can do right here. That's about it. Yeah, Joseph, my son's right here on the front row. He said, you don't know how to do nothing. That's right, I don't. I cannot change a light bulb. I got to call somebody to come change the bulbs at the house. I hadn't turned a screwdriver in 20 years. I don't know. Don't ride no lawnmower. Just don't. Mm -mm. Ain't cranked a weed eater. I I could not make a weed eater crank today. I couldn't. I'd just be like, somebody crank that thing for me. I don't know how that works. Huh? Yeah, yeah. In and of myself, I can't do nothing, y'all. I mean, like I said, this is probably the best thing I do right here. You know, so so I I just can't do yeah. There ain't much I do. But you let me put on the anointing of God. You let me get into a place whenever I start acting like God. I start talking like God. Stuff will change real quick, real fast. Why is that? Because I'm all that in a bag of tater chips? No. Just because I'm doing what God does. And I'm operating like Jesus did while he was here on the earth. Don't I have a scripture that's got something to do with Peter's mother-in-law? <laughs> I love the looks that I get sometimes. Luke chapter 4. Yeah, there we go. Y'all check this out. This is really cool. I want you to really pay attention to this thing. Look at this. 
Now he arose from the synagogue talking about Jesus and entered Simon, Simon's house. Now that was Peter. They called him Simon before they called him Peter. Sometimes whenever God gets in people's life, he just changes them completely, including their name, okay? He entered into Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother, which is his mother-in-law, okay? Your wife's mother is your mother-in-law? His wife's mother was sick with a high fever. They didn't have Tylenol back then either. High fever was a big deal back then. See, high fever today, we start taking stuff, I'll be all right. In fact, some doctors just say, I'll let it go, it'll be okay. It's just the body trying to heal itself. So she had something going on, and a high fever back then was a bad deal. You die from that back then. They didn't have they didn't have no doctors like we do. Doctors show up, put a leech on you. You know, it was bad. <laughs> she was sick with a high fever. And they made a request of him concerning her. So, Jesus has been going around healing folks and doing stuff. And they go to Peter's house, Simon Peter's house. And his mama-in-law is sick with a high fever. A high fever. They checked her temperature. And I'm not going to, I almost said something. They checked her temperature. You know, you know how you check temperature? Check temperature. You know how you used to check temperature? See, now you beep the little thing on your forehead or in your ear. But back in the day, they checked your temperature way different than they do now. It was a little bit more intrusive. Amen? Anybody over the age of 40 knows what I'm talking about. Amen. It was intrusive, man. It's like, what? You going to put that where? <laughs> you know, and if have you ever have you ever looked on the... <laughs> Johnson & Johnson makes a thermometer, right? Like the old school. Y'all know what I'm talking about with the mercury in it that you got to shake? And it's got a little metal end at one end and it's glass and it's straight. It says on there that it's been personally tested in the little thing that come with it. Somebody done tested that thing and there ain't no telling where it's been. So that's the reason why we like the little beefy things now. Because we, we know that them ain't been there. Because they won't fit, you know. It's not going to fit. Hey, Paul. <laughs> she had a high fever. They said, Jesus, we need you to do something about it. They didn't know. They didn't have the thermometer back then. They didn't know that. Just, just next time you're thinking about how much you hate your job, just be glad you're not the person that checks the thermometers to make sure they work. Okay? <laughs> She had a high fever, and they said, Jesus, come do something about it. Okay? Next verse. Check this out. Now that I got y'all, check it out. So he stood over her and did what? Rebuked what? The fever. So do you mean to tell me that a fever can hear? Evidently so, because watch what happened right after, and it what? It left her. Now, Jesus didn't do this as the awesome, magnificent Son of God. He did it as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost, who spoke to a situation, and the fever heard him and left. Not because he was Jesus, but because he only did what he saw the Father do, and he only spoke what the Father said. Look at that. 
And immediately she rose and went and served them. It had a purpose behind it. Jesus spoke to a fever. So let me ask you a question. Just bear with me again. If he operated as a man or a woman, human, and spoke to a fever and it left, can you do the same thing? You can do it. It's the same thing. It operates the exact same way. You only speak what the Father says. You only do what you see your Father do. And where do we find that out, Greg? Well, there's this little book that sits in the trunk of your car or on the shelf at the house that tells you what God has to say about every situation and what you should do in every single situation. See, this is something that I think that we as Christians have missed over and over and over again. See, faith is not built upon just a belief system. Theologians will try to convince you that your faith is a, is a belief system. And there's merit to that. That's the noun side of a faith. You want me to explain what faith is from the noun standpoint, which is a person, place, or thing, right? Is that right? I got that right? Did I? You're not going to answer me, are you? Did I get it right? <laughs> Some people get it, you know. Come on, girl. I got it right, didn't I? Good, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> a noun is a person, place, or thing. So whenever you're looking at faith from the perspective of what it is and to define what the thing is, the thing is a belief system. It could kind of be, I've heard it been used like a filter system. Like it's, it's a set of beliefs that we have to filter out what life throws at us, what's good and what's bad. What can we take in and what can we not take in, okay? But faith in an action an action of faith, because faith can be a verb or it can be a noun, right? Verb is an action. Noun is a person, place, or thing, as I was proved over here. When you look at it from an action standpoint, it's twofold. The first step of it is, is that there's actually an action behind it. There is a movement behind a belief system. We have a belief system, so therefore, because of my belief system, I move a particular way. But then the Bible goes on to teach it. Y'all pull up Matthew chapter 11, or excuse me, Mark 11, 23 and 24. Uh, the Bible, though, teaches us that not only does that action happen, but inside that action, based on that belief system, the statement of that belief system is also in the act of faith. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Am I getting a little too... Am I getting too weedy? We good? So our belief system... Faith, as a belief system, we know that, that that's what that can be. But we have to operate and walk out that faith or belief system by action and words. Verily I say unto you, anybody says to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and does it doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore... Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you've received them and you shall have them. Why? Because we have a belief system. We believe something to be true, so therefore we act upon it and we start moving and walking in it as if it's real. 
And if we look around and things are not the way our belief system says it's supposed to be, we take our belief system and speak it into that situation, and the situation has to change. It has to change. It has to line up. And I've had so many people tell me, well, Greg, I did that, and it, it, it's not happened. Well, then you don't believe it. If you believed it, you wouldn't walk up to me and tell me it's not happening. If you believed that it really 100% happened, you would act as if it did. Does that make sense? Are y'all following me on this one? But what happens to us? Oh, man, I got time. What happens to us is that we get this sense of unworthiness. Because we, as Christians, have been taught for thousands of years that our righteousness is based upon our holiness. I wasn't going to go here, but man, I'm... Last service. We have a belief system in the church. I'm talking about church, like all of them. Crammed in. That your righteousness is based upon your holiness. Now, what do you mean by that, Greg? Well, first of all, I mean to say that holiness is a code of conduct. Let's go to 1 Peter 1.15. I did not give you all this one. It's 1 Peter 1.15 and 16. Isn't this fun? Isn't this awesome? It's the best thing I do. I cannot turn a screwdriver. I hadn't touched a saw since I was 12. Is it up there? That's not true? I didn't get the tree. Oh, yeah, I did get the tree out of the driveway, didn't I? I did cut that thing up, yeah. Yeah, I cut a tree last year with a chainsaw in the rain. Zoe was there. Yeah, it was a hurricane. The hurricane was happening, and I was cutting the tree. So I had to get home, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't do nothing, but, you know, God was there. I was walking in the note. I saw God cut the tree, so I did. <laughs> All right, this is 1 Peter 1.15. Check this out. But he, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in what? All your con- conduct. You are supposed to be holy. It was what you're supposed to do. In your daily walk in life, you are to be holy is what you're to be. Your conduct should be that of holiness. Your conduct should not be that of revelry and, and insaneness. You know, drama is a term I love to use, drama. Oh... I hate her. Drama. Right? Our conduct is to be holy. And why is our conduct supposed to be holy? Because, what? Because he who called you is holy. Why is that supposed to be that way? Because whatever we see the Father do, we're supposed to do ourselves. Like Jesus did. 
Are y'all, y'all kind of seeing where I'm coming from here? Okay. All right. But holiness does not gain you righteousness. If it did, then that means that you could become righteous on your own works. That you could be good enough to make God happy enough with what you've done in life and how you've acted with people and how sweet you've been at Walmart. You could get to a point of right standing with Him just because you acted good. And I'm sorry, the Bible don't teach that. In fact, it says that it's not of works lest any man should boast. So none of us got a right to stand back and say how good we are. Which means that we're not allowed to have that pious look at someone that's not having the holiness that we think they should. How many of y'all been guilty of that one? Don't raise your hands. I know we don't do that kind of thing around here. We don't, we don't say that people ought to operate and, and act a certain way in certain places. We don't do that here at CCAM. We don't condemn nobody. Uh-uh. That's somebody else does that, right? Are y'all tracking with me? So you see where the conduct piece can become this thermometer of people's righteousness. And it's not. Because if you could work, if they could work enough to become righteous, then they'd be able to boast about it. And the Bible says they can't do that. So our conduct, our holiness has nothing to do with whether or not we are righteous. Our holiness is a reflection of a moral compass that we have based upon our righteousness. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 verse 1 please. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. That will be a good place to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you do the old school King James for Lisa so she'll, she'll, uh, she'll dance and shout and run around the church? The old school King James Version. I'm talking about the one that was written in 1590-something. The old one, Version 1. This is King James Version, Version 1.0. No, 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 verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. That's, that's old school King James? They don't have old school King James? Okay, leave it there. That'll be fine. I just wanted to show you all something that I thought was really neat. All right, so let's take a look at this one. We're going to? All right. This is not version 1.0 King James. This is version 1.50. 1.738. This is uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The term justified, does anyone know what that means? It means to be just or right. Okay? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all go ahead and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 while I'm doing this one. We have been justified, or the old school first version, King James, says made righteous. We have been made righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, y'all. We have been made righteous. You are righteous. God made you 
righteous through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You didn't do it yourself. Righteousness is right standing with God, which means that you look, God looks at you, and guess what he sees? Perfection. He looks at you and says, wow, aren't they awesome? For he made him, talking about Jesus, knew no sin for us, no, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is why holiness is not your way to heaven. You following me? It's because we were justified or made righteous by the works of Jesus. He made us righteous. He put us in right standing with God. And now when God sees us and looks upon us, all he sees is Jesus. Our holiness is a reflection of our state of being. We are holy because he made us righteous. You should not want to sin because you're in right standing with God. So therefore, your conduct should line up with what he says and what he does. Why? Because he made you right. So now today, you step out and walk out in holiness because you've been made righteous. Not to become righteous, but because you already are righteous. So if you're in right standing with God, seated with Jesus in heavenly places, which I'm not going to get into that because I don't have time to get into it, seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Let's go back to the nine weeks of identity that we went through. You start to see who you have been made. You mean to tell me that now someone who is right with God, right with God, cannot speak to a fever And it leave? Your master did it while he was here on the earth. He told a man to get up out of the grave and he did. And all he did, the prayer that he prayed was, Father, I thank you that you hear me and you hear me always. Lazarus, come forth. And he did. The man had been dead for four days. And Jesus did that as a man. Made right with God. Who stood in the seat that God had placed him in. Who showed up on the scene and did what he saw the father do. And said what he heard the father say. And a miracle took place. He changed the situation with his words. And believed it so much he was willing to step out in front of everybody and say, Lazarus, come forth. Not based on his holiness. He was holy because of the right standing he had with God. See, a lot of us as Christians, we don't feel like we can operate as Jesus because we're worried about our holiness. You're too busy thinking about what you did wrong instead of thinking about what God says to do right. You're too busy caught up in who you are instead of who he is. And when you begin to shed yourself of who you are. That's why the Bible says to lay down yourself and pick up his cross. 
It's not some, some humdrum life that he's talking about leaving and leading and, and going to church on time and blah, 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 blah. No. He's talking about accepting the life that he's given us. A life of righteousness to where now we say what he says, we do what he, we see him do, and we operate just like Jesus in this world. COVID-19, I dare it to touch me. I dare it to get on people I love. Because we will go at that thing. I'm not a fighter. I don't fight. I don't like to fight. But you punch me, it's on like a chicken bone. I might not be able to hurt you. But you're going to be glad it's over. Because I fight dirty and I fight mean. Yeah, I'll bite you. I'll, I'll, pull a, I'll pull a Tyson on Holyfield. I'll bite that ear off in a minute. Won't think nothing about it. Spit it out on the ground and go after the second one. It's in the Bible. Peter t- cut a dude's ear off whenever he was messing with Jesus. I can do it. You start messing with my peoples. You start messing with my folks. I'm going to punch you in the teeth. And that's what the enemy's doing. The enemy is jacking with too many of us. It's time for us to realize who we are in Christ and walk it out. You talk to the tumors. You talk to the cancer. You talk to the fevers. You talk to the money. You talk to, the, you talk to everything that's coming against you in life. You talk to it. You talk to the spirit that's behind the person that's attacking you. Because it ain't them at the end of the day. We war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and evil wickedness in heavenly places. You don't go after the people. You go after the spirit that the people are listening to. Don't take no punch and then sit down. Turn the other cheek does not mean sit down and don't do nothing. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's time for us to act like it. Jesus said, the works that you see me do, you will do also, and greater works than these you do, because I go to my Father. At least do what you see him do. At least do that. I wouldn't even worry about the greater works until I started doing what I see him do in here. He raised a man from the dead. And he said, the works that you see me do, you'll do also, so also and greater. I ain't even, I ain't even got up to the, the seeing parts yet. The parts that I see him do, I'm not even walking in that thing yet. He spoke to a fever and it left. He spoke to demons and they went and got into pigs. You know why? Because he was a man operating in righteousness, doing what he saw God do and saying what he, what he heard God say. And it's our turn. It's your turn. It's time for you to rise up and do the things that you see God doing. He's not going to leave us hanging, y'all. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not going to inspire you to do something that he's not going to be there with you. 
And believe me, I know, it's difficult. I remember the first time I prayed for somebody. I was nervous as all get out. But once you realize that it's not you doing any, all you're doing is just praying. That's it. You're doing what you see him do. You're saying what you hear him say. You're not the healer. You're not the deliverer. He is. All you are is the water hose that the water comes out of. You're the wire that the power flows through. You can do nothing in and of, your, of yourself. But what you do do, you, you see him do and you hear him say. It's time, church. It's so time. It's time. We're getting punched. We're getting hit. We're getting belly shots. We're getting the hitting under the belt. The enemy is punching. Punch back. Do not take it. Quick story and then I'll stop. Smith Wigglesworth. You know this name, huh? Y'all ever heard this name? So he was an evangelist uh, in the in the 20s uh, from England. A little short guy. You know, he said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. That's where that statement came from was from him because he was a little man. Anyhow, he's, st- he's sitting at a bus sta- station waiting for uh, a bus, and there's a, there's a nice lady standing next to him, and there's this little yupping dog coming. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A little dog that comes up and just barks for no reason, just barking, 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 barking. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And, and Smith Wigglesworth tells the story that the little dog was sitting there barking, and the woman in her heels stomped her foot and said, Get out of here! As loud as she could, and the dog went away. He said, That's exactly how you should treat the devil. You stomp your foot and you say, Get out of here. You've got no rights in here. I'm a child of God. I've got the name of Jesus. I know the Word of God, and I'm filled with the Spirit of God. You better get on up out of here. Because if you don't handle up on it, y'all, he's just going to keep punching at you. You ever heard the statement, you give him an inch, it takes a mile? Mm-hmm. He'll do it. You give him an inch, he'll take all you got. Hey, go play something. I spent the last week intercessing for our friends, our family. Not just the ones in the hospital. We got people that are walking around sick. I got, I got, we got folks with cancer in their body. It's not supposed to be there. It's not supposed to be that way. We got people whose money ain't right. It's not supposed to be that way. We got people can't find a job. It's not supposed to be that way. We got people that life is just tearing them up and just, I get it. You know, I see it. I hear it. I hear about it. And it's time for us as a church family to rise up. God's eyes are looking to and fro to see if he could find faithful. You know, even the Bible even says when he returns, will he find any faithfulness on the earth? I believe he'll find it at 14 or 15. 14. Constable Street. She said it wrong. You got it. You said 15. Okay. I hate to be so passionate about it, but I just believe it so much. Because God can just take a little bit that you do, just a little bit, just, just a touch, 
and move mountains with the slightest little bit of faith from you. He's just looking for somebody with a willing heart. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for somebody that lived their life right. He's not looking for someone that was perfect five minutes ago. He's looking for someone that's willing to believe what he said and operate and act upon it as if it's true. That's what he's looking for. Church has taught us over the years that we have to be holy to operate in these things. No. No. It's not a requirement. The requirement is faith. Believing that God is God. And that he will do and has done everything that he's promised. And that it's truly yes and amen from his, from his throne. If we believe that, then we can rise to the occasion. Yeah, holiness needs to be, yeah, you work on that later. Operate on what God needs you to operate in right now. You won't even be concerned about your conduct from that point. He'll be using you in so many different ways, you won't have time to sin. You won't have time to mess up if you get busy doing His business. It's time. I feel like, I feel like you know, there, there's like this picture of God pointing at you going, I need you like Uncle Sam. There's a battle going on. World War III is taking place in the spirit world right now. And guys, I'm sorry. It's time for us to make a surge because it just seems like it's getting darker and darker. Make a surge. Make a stand. When you're done on the stand, stand. And no more, I did it and it didn't work. We're not allowed to say that no more. Because the minute you say that, the power switch is turned off. Because you have now turned your faith into fear. You've turned your faith into doubt. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Three days, three years, 30 years. If you believe that it's done, it's done. Let's all stand. If you got to go, you can go. Time's over. So what I want us all to do is begin to... Let's lift our hands. Set your mind on the things of God. And He'll tell you, dig down in your heart, He'll tell you the thing that you need to speak to. He'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you what you need to speak to. You got it? He'll tell you what you need to speak to. And you just start to speak to it. Do it so you say, in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, I command you to go in Jesus' name. That's how this works. Sickness and disease, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Cancer, I tell you to leave in Jesus' name. Finances, I command you to line up in the name of Jesus. Back, be made straight in Jesus' name. Foot, stop hurting in Jesus' name. Ears open in Jesus' name. Lungs you clear up in Jesus' name. Oppression, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. 
There's something in your life that you're speak to. I don't do this on my own. The pastors don't do this on their own. It's all of us working together. Whatever it is, he showed it to you. Speak to it. Tell it to get out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we count it as done right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that we operate as you tell us to operate, and we're going to say what you tell us to say. We will be reflections of heaven as we go forward, Lord. Where we go, heaven goes. Where we step, heaven's going to step. We're going to purpose in ourselves to do things the way you would do them, not how we feel like we need to do them. We're going to do them the way you would do them based on what your word tells us to do, Lord. We thank you, Father, that as we go and as we walk, you're not going to leave us hanging. You're always going to be there. You're always going to hold us up. You're always going to keep us straight. We have absolutely nothing to worry about. There's nothing that we've got to worry about. There's nothing that we have to fret about, have anxiety about, because it's all you at the end of the day. It has nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with us. That's why we walk in perfect peace. It's because we know that it's you, not us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to be concerned. We thank you, Father. We let it go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the victory. We count it as done and complete, Lord. Hallelujah, that it's over. The battle is already won. All we're doing is walking out what you've done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Is there somebody going on? You got like a knee problem or a foot problem, knee and ankle somewhere up in there? Come up here. I'll pray for you right now to be gone.